Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. It's one minute to four o'clock, main Currents time. It is uh, partly sunny uh, this afternoon with a high near 40. I'm sorry, high near 60, northwest and around 11 miles an hour winds. Tonight, areas of fog after 4 a.m., otherwise mostly cloudy, and a low of uh, 48. Not too bad. Areas of fog in the morning before 8 o'clock. So we're going to continue this way. No rain. It's mostly sunny, mostly cloudy. And you're listening to WERU FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, streaming at WERU.org. We're listener-supported, we're volunteer-powered, and we are most definitely a voice of many voices. Stay tuned for Main Currents. And this is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm your host, Amy Brown. In November, Mainers will have an opportunity to vote to legalize marijuana in the state, but the details of the ballot question are raising concerns for some folks who are otherwise pro-legalization. Today, we're going to continue the conversation about this topic from our September 7th show. We'll again be hearing from both sides, and then we're going to open the phone lines for your calls after we hear from them. My guests in the studio are Hillary Lister, an advocate, activist, patient, and caregiver, Don Christian, the founder of Maine Vocals, and Paul McCarrier, the president of Legalize Maine. I'm going to have them each tell you a little bit more about themselves, and then each of them are going to take five to ten minutes before we open the phone lines to talk about where they stand on the issue, what their questions are about it. Uh, Hillary and Don both have concerns about it. Paul will probably be trying to answer some of those concerns, and after they've had a chance to do that, At about 4.30, we'll be opening the phone lines and taking your calls with questions or comments. So we're going to start with Hillary Lister. Uh, Hillary, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your work as pertains to this topic, and what your issues are with question one. Thank you, Amy. It's good to be here. So I originally got involved with advocating for improving Maine's cannabis laws from just being a personal user of cannabis and also living with a couple growers who were growing medicinally back in probably 2003, 2004, and in 2006, they ended up getting raided. They didn't have their doctor's recommendations. Um, However, they were really growing for medicinal use. Uh, One of them, my friend, she was in her mid-70s. It was 2 a.m. They busted down the door, semi-automatic weapons, dogs, to get a dozen plants in the basement. Uh, That same year, her partner ended up going into the hospital for cancer, and I was working on trying to figure out how to get him some form of cannabis into the hospital so he'd have some quality of life going from being using it regularly, treating nausea, treating his pains, to going in there. Um, So that got me involved with really trying to figure out what Maine's laws were and what really needed to be changed so this wouldn't keep happening to people. Um, In 2009, there was a citizen's initiative to expand the medical marijuana law. I had definite concerns about it. However, I was convinced by my friend who was in the hospital at the time with cancer that I should collect signatures on it and work to expand the law so more people would get access. Um, Following that law passing, I started attending the hearings at the State House. Governor Baldacci formed a task force to implement the citizen's initiative. And I got to really see how the process works with a citizen's initiative that is a really broad base or that 
it's a wide-reaching initiative um, like this one coming up. It was many, many pages of wording, um, putting new agencies involved, uh, creating a licensing process. And there were a lot of major changes to it that really weren't good that happened when the bill was being implemented. In the end, um, our Attorney General, uh, Janet Mills, who was on the task force, she made a comment that the task force could implement the bill as written, choose not to implement it at all, or make amendments as they would to any legislator-initiated bill. And they made a number of major changes, including making outdoor growing illegal, uh, removing protections against arrest, search, and seizure, um, requiring patients to register with the state, and at the time they actually pushed for there to be one commercial grower for the whole state. That was something we were able to get stopped. However, the other changes ended up going through, and for a year we had really lost a lot of rights we'd previously had under the laws in Maine. Um, fortunately, that following year was a major change in the legislature. It was a the Tea Party rev revolution, plus it was coming right up on the Occupy groups. So there was a lot of new people coming in who hadn't been in the legislature and a lot of real support for doing the people's will. So a real mixed group of us, three of us who are in the room right now, um, were able to come together and work on a really good bill to restore the intent of the Citizens Initiative and Im actually improve it quite a bit from its original form. Um, what we got into place has been recognized as the best medical cannabis laws in the country for being able to allow affordable patient access without excessive government involvement. Um, and each year following that, there's been pushes to both repeal a lot of the gains we've made, especially for privacy protections, um, while at the same time a push to really centralize control and push towards the model of, of fewer, bigger growers and less ability for people to really do this without paying significant amounts, without being tracked for what they're doing. Um, fortunately, regular people have really been able to have effect on improving those laws. We also have some of the most decriminalized laws in the country. Back in the 70s, Maine was one of the first states to really decriminalize and get rid of felony penalties for people who were cultivating or possessing smaller amounts. Um, and it's been a uh, work year after year to maintain that and improve it quite a bit as well. Um, we've been able to pass some really unique laws. One of them was a group of parents I worked with uh, who got a bill that we were told could not possibly happen to allow a child to have access to medical cannabis when they were in school. It was the first of its type in the country. We were able to get that through with support of the school districts, um, and now in Maine no child can be denied the right to attend school due to the fact that they need to use medical cannabis. Um, so, And all of that has been ultimately with the goal of really getting this plant treated like a medicinal herb and no longer criminalized to make sure that people aren't facing arrest, aren't facing turn being turned into felons for growing a plant that is so needed in the state where we have some of the highest cancer rates in the country, some of the highest PTSD rates. Um, so many people I know come back from the military, go into the VA, they're trying to find something that allows them to be able to live their lives functionally, and this is really working for them. And people are being able to do this affordably without going ha having to go on registries. Um, you also had mentioned I'm a patient and a family member caregiver. I don't do this as a business. However, Maine's law allows a person to prepare medicine for a family member who's a patient. So for the past five years, I've been making a topical salve and being able to do that within the bounds of the law without having to register, without having 
to go through the sort of restrictions that a business might have to otherwise because it is just providing an herbal medicine for a family member. Um, my concerns about this question one, how it's written, is it's really much more designed for commercialization and industrial scale production and distribution of cannabis. Um, it's uh, even though it's unique to Maine, it's largely modeled on laws in Washington State and Colorado that are designed to work in conjunction with a bill that's currently in D.C. from Representative Blumenauer from Oregon that would allow interstate sale of marijuana for states that adopt this particular style of regulating and licensing it, and that licensing would be through the ATF if this bill passed. Um, there's a lot of pressure to get East Coast states to adopt this model, so there will be more leverage in D.C. to get this model through. Um, and I have a lot of concerns of once you get into industrial scale and interstate commerce that it will involve a lot more federal attention and federal requirements that the state pass other laws and rules to make sure we're not out of compliance with federal priorities. I, I was talking to a potato farmer in Arista County who described this as the NAFTA of cannabis, and I kind of feel like it does create this whole structure that you can hang all of these rules and regulations on that are designed for regulating something on an industrial scale, on an interstate scale, and that will be applied to people who are producing this just for themselves and their families, not for profit. And that really is how it's played out in states that have implemented this. So. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. I, you have a minute left if you had anything else you wanted to say. All right. Um, I'd just say I think that we are closer to real legalization in Maine right now than any other state, including states like Colorado and Washington, in terms of people not facing felony charges, not facing arrest, and having the ability to grow enough medicine for their use, process it into medicine, without being treated like an industrial producer and being able to be small farmers, gardeners, and treat their families effectively. Okay, thank you. That's thank Hillary you. Lister. And uh, we're going to go around the table. When we open the phone lines, our guests will also have questions for each other. You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. And up next, we have Don Christian, who is the founder of Maine Vocals. He's going to tell you a little bit more about himself and also where he stands and what his concerns are about question one on the November ballot here in Maine. Don. Thank you. <clears throat> um, I started Maine Vocals um, under the auspices of trying to end marijuana prohibition, and uh, we've been working on it since 1990. Um, long time, um, a lot of changes in the law since then, but nowhere near where we expected to be. Um, many years ago, I didn't think it would be this long with all the uh, information and facts that we had about the cannabis plant. Um, it was, it was uh, news to me. I was, I was a pot grower back then, and, and uh, I was just mad about the laws. I wasn't a criminal because I did grow pot or smoke pot. And uh, my dad got me into it by saying, you might want to stop um, crying about it at the table here and do something. And, and ever since then, I, I, I've been working on this issue. So um, we started uh, in 91 with uh, Hempstock at... Uh, the farm in Starks, and uh, we've been doing festivals ever since. I did 18 years in Starks, and ever since 2008, we've been in Harmony, Maine. Um, it's quite a move, but uh, now it's on our own property, and we're, we're working that. Um, but the, the problem here, I see it, is, is we're forgetting where we're coming from. Um, marijuana prohibition is, is based on lies and myth, and uh, 
has been perpetuated since 1920s and 30s. And people have been harassed and, and jailed and, and killed even over this plant. And people are forgetting um, where we came from. And, and that's not something I'm willing to do. What's, what's uh, happening here is, is we're jumping from, from uh, a law that's bad, factually and documentally bad right now, and can be proven with science, um, into a money-making operation for a lot of different people. Um, at this point, um, there's a lot of people in Maine making money on this plant, and they're doing so regardless of the, what the law says. They're doing uh, a fine job in, in, in some cases, and, and uh, providing a product for the people that want it. Um, and, and they don't care what the law says. And with the, the many regulations that are in this bill that restrict um, the amount of people that are going to be able to get licenses to be able to grow large-scale grows, um, the people who are now growing in the state of Maine are going to disregard the law that, that's going to be adopted and, and just grow their own marijuana just like they do today um, because they're not going to take it that only 200 people can grow the marijuana for the state of Maine or, or the rest of the world for that matter um, when in fact uh, the law already says they can't grow marijuana now. So the prohibition is not going to end if this law is enacted. Um, they, they, you know, kind of trick people with the word of legalization, but it's only going to be okay for you to have a small amount of marijuana where um, the people that are supplying the marijuana are going to be heavily regulated and possibly fined and jailed for, for continuing to, to grow marijuana if they don't happen to be one of the lucky ones to get a license. So that's a big, big problem for this state. And, and wh what the problem here is, as I see it, is we have never voted in a, or voted on a marijuana law for this state um, for total legalization. Um, and and I, my, my feeling is that why aren't we voting on a law that we absolutely want and doesn't restrict this plant the way that it's being restricted and, and uh, go with that and see if that passes before we put some heavily regulated piece of legislature in front of us that's going to be really hard to get rid of if, if we adopt this. Um, and the changes that are going to be needed, um, people are not going to want to do because money's being made through the state and, and that sort of thing where uh, people on the outside are, are being blocked and are going to just disregard the law. So I think, you know, what we should do is, is number one, tell the people what has been going on since the 1930s. We're almost 100 years into this that prohibition is wrong and, and, and it is factually wrong and, and we can prove it. And we've got to get some kind of healing for our people here that have been, you know, isolated into, you know, pretty much a racial type thing where it's us against them. And, and that's, you know, it's never going to heal. We're never going to heal as a society if we're all pointing our fingers at each other, thinking this guy's, you know, um, a lunatic because he smokes pot, or a killer, or a rapist. And, and that's what was told to him back in the 30s and 40s. And, 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 and a lot of these older folks still believe that. So what we need is our government to come out with a program that enlightens the people and educates the people to the real truth here. This law was a mistake. It was it was wrong. And and the people that have been harassed here and put in jail are not bad people. They really have been persecuted and harassed here. And, and some people have died over this, obviously. 
And, and many people have gone to jail, and they're still going to be in jail. This law doesn't allow the people to get out of jail. While we're out here partying and having a good time selling and, and buying, these people that are, you know, have so-called broken the law in the past are going to be persecuted still and, and left in our jails to rot. And that's something I'm not willing to put up with as far as uh, should have been one of the first things that was in this law is to let the people out of jail. Then... I, I know the government <clears throat> gives pardons out, but the president or the governor is supposedly the only ones that give pardons, yet for a pardon, you have to do something wrong. And what we're saying is the law is wrong, not the people themselves. So the people that have been busted have not actually done anything wrong. They've been persecuted themselves. So we really owe them an apology. And, and, and you're not going to pardon them because you have to have done something wrong to get a pardon. So need, they need their records cleaned and expunged, wiped clean as if they've never done anything wrong. And maybe even a little apology would be nice. But um, what, what the apology would be is, is if the government admits that this is spearheaded wrong and, and we've been tricked and hoodwinked for the last almost 100 years. And uh, that's how I see legalization um, coming about, the end of prohibition. And that means you strike the word marijuana out of the law books. And as soon as you do that, it's legal. It's not, in, it's not against the law anymore. Um, now, we've been telling people that marijuana is one of the safest substances on the planet for years. There's never been an overdose from consuming marijuana, and nobody that I have ever heard of has ever died from just consuming marijuana. And and, uh, you know, aspirin is, is, uh, is far safer than aspirin, let's put it that way. And, and if it is that safe, then why are we going to let them regulate the heck out of this? It doesn't make any sense. What we need to do is, is just legalize it, stop all the BS, and, and get on with it. If we have a problem, something comes up that we need to take care of, we can make a law about it then. We could take care of it then. But don't put the cart before the horse here. Because we don't know actually what kind of problems we're going to have. All of the stuff that they've said has been problems in the past, that's all untrue. It's not a gateway drug. It's not addicting. It doesn't make people rape people. It doesn't make people kill people. You know, if people do something wrong, they're, they're at fault themselves. You can't blame something. You can't blame the alcohol. You can't blame the drugs. You can't blame the weed. So in order to stop this whole thing. We have to have a re-education of our people so that they know that, you know, we need to unite and come together and, and that nobody's really been wrong here. It's the government. And, and with that, I will say that since Prohibition, um, the world has been poisoned with petrochemicals and, and fuels and, and everything you can think of that's been made um, since they've stopped the agricultural-based society, which hemp was part of. And, and hemp is not even mentioned here, and that's the real reason why the marijuana plant is, has come about, is to get rid of hemp. And, and as you can see, marijuana is everywhere. There is no hemp. It's gone from the, the agricultural society. Our farmers can't grow it. We have to import all of our hemp from different countries. Uh, the Canadian farmers uh, supply 80%, or we buy, excuse me, we buy 80% of the Canadian farmers' hemp crop, and our farmers can't grow it. So... You know, there's something wrong here, and, and it needs to be addressed. We can't just jump right in and say, oh, let's do business. And that's what this is all about. All right. 
Thank you. You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. That was Don Kristen. He is the founder of the Maine Vocals. We're talking about question one on the ballot here in Maine in November. And uh, we're going to hear next from Paul McCarrier, the president of Legalized Maine. And after Paul's done speaking, we'll open the phone lines if you have any questions for these folks. Uh, Paul, tell us a little bit more about yourself and where you stand on this. So I, I grew up in Belfast, and I saw um, the destruction of the chicken factories. I saw MBNA come in um, and do a lot of great stuff in the community, but then leave um, when they were bought by Bank of America. You know, I saw that this uh, this marijuana industry is a great opportunity for the state of Maine and for the people of the state of Maine. And I think we can agree that it's time to legalize, regulate, and tax marijuana. It's working in other states, and it's going to be working here. We have the option of bringing in tens of millions of dollars of new revenue. Because regulating marijuana will generate this millions of dollars in new tax revenue, which can be used to fund education and other vital services in Maine. It'll help create local small businesses, which are going to be owned by Mainers, and then the dozens of ancillary businesses that are going to be able to help with these legal, regulated, and taxed marijuana businesses. It's high time that we legalize marijuana in Maine. We have a strong, we have a very big opiate problem in this state, and our law enforcement is really stretched to the limits of being able to try to deal with it. By legalizing marijuana and by voting yes on question one, we're going to be able to allow law enforcement to have to free up their time and resources to focus on more serious and more violent crime. And I think that's something we can all agree on is that law enforcement should not be spending their time harassing people who grow or consume marijuana. More importantly, I think this is that we have to talk about how this is going to improve public health in the state of Maine. There are thousands of Mainers across the state right now who do not have a qualifying condition that's covered under the medical marijuana program. So they aren't able to have the legal protections to be able to consume or buy legal marijuana. This will allow them to be able to access that legal marijuana. I hear from dozens of people who have trouble sleeping, who just have, you know, have sometimes have you know, issues with, um, with, their, uh, with eating, and that they will occasionally use marijuana to help with that. If you can't get a full night's sleep, well, maybe you should just have a cookie, and you can have some of the best sleep of your life. But right now, those people do not have legal access to marijuana, and they need to be able to have access to legal, regulated, and taxed marijuana. I think this is a great opportunity for the state of Maine. We have seen that this is working in other states. It's working in Colorado. It's working in Washington. It's working in Oregon, and it's working in Alaska. The sky hasn't fallen. People out there are healthier. They're enjoying this really great beneficial plant. We're seeing more research being done in Colorado, scientific research on medical marijuana, because they have passed a legal marijuana state. We're seeing investment come in from all over the globe to really help get these states built up. When I'm looking at how marijuana has been working in Colorado, in 2015, they sold $996 million of legal marijuana. And that money, that, that money went all into local communities. And all that tax revenue was used to help fund education, build schools, making sure that the public safety had their budgets correct, and also making sure that they didn't raise taxes on the citizens of Colorado. I think it's really important that when we look at question one, we have to ask ourselves, should adults be punished for using marijuana? Should someone have to face a $350 fine, which after court fees is a $430 fine? just for consuming a plant? Should someone have to be arrested for being just because they want to be able to grow their own marijuana on their property? And they're, right now, all of those things are happening. Under question one, adults will be able to access legal marijuana. They'll be able to grow their marijuana. 
and it'll be taxed and regulated for the benefit of the state of Maine. All right. Good. Uh, well, we're uh, a little bit ahead of time, but we're going to open the phone lines now. That was uh, Paul McCarrier, president of Legalize Maine. Before that, you heard from Don Christen, founder of Maine Vocals, and Hillary Lister, who's an advocate, activist, patient, and caregiver. We're all talking about question one on Maine's ballot this November. And if you have a thought about question one or a question for any of these folks here in the studio, the number is 469-0500 if you're local. Again, 469-0500. We also have a toll-free number, which is 1-866-625-9378. 1-866-625-9378. And we do have a caller on the line. I think this is uh, Dennis from Milo. Yes, how are you? Hey, welcome to the program, Dennis. Um, I'm doing pretty good. Um, my question, well, I guess for everybody there, I heard a lot about taxes, all the tax to go to municipalities. The last paragraph in their bill says that all the taxes are going to go into general fund, and then the general fund is supposed to be uh, all the funds appropriated to the main criminal justice academy. So it doesn't sound like legalization. It sounds like they're going to take the taxes from the marijuana and use it to fund how to arrest us. So it sounds more like restructured prohibition to me than uh, any than legalization. All right. Paul wants to respond to that. You know, I, um, thank you for calling in, Dennis, and thank you for your question. Um, I don't think um, you have an understanding of how the state's um, general fund and the sales tax revenue works. So it's very clear that um, under question one, that all of the tax dollars will go to the general fund and that if there's going to be a new program that is going to be funded, it's going to be to train our men and women in uniform on these new marijuana laws. Like Hillary brought up earlier when she had some people that were very close to her that were raided for having 12 plants. When question one passes, we need to train law enforcement to know what they cannot harass or, or bust people for anymore. And we can do that through the tax revenue from legal regulated marijuana sales and that way it will not affect the local police department's budget so that town or that county will not have to raise taxes on their tax-paying citizens to train their law enforcement in these new laws i have talked to dozens of law enforcement officers and i've spent a lot of time in augusta and consistently the complaint that these law enforcement officers have is that the legislators in augusta pass new laws but then they don't go and train the law enforcement on what those new laws are. And then law enforcement has to spend money out of their stretched budgets to train their officers on these new laws. And that means that they have to raise taxes on citizens. And question one will enable us to train our law enforcement officers without raising taxes on our local citizens. Does that answer your question, Dennis? Well, I mean, kind of, because, I mean, the bill says legalization. You'd figure it aren't. You'd have to train law officers if something's going to be legal. The second question, real quick, if I have a minute, is uh, there was an 800,000 square foot canopy space. That's less than a square mile. In You're breaking up, Dennis. I'm sorry. But I, I, what we did hear is you have a question about the canopy space. So uh, maybe our guests can, uh, can talk about the canopy space. And we've got another caller in hope. We'll get to you in just a moment. I mean, I think it's really important to acknowledge that this canopy space is the basement, is not the ceiling. And that was a level that's set to um, put us within compliance with the federal coal memo. Um, the federal government does not want 
legal marijuana or medical marijuana being diverted to other states. And by putting this canopy basement in, it'll allow us to have a good start out of the gate to determine how much cannabis needs to be produced in this state. If you look at other states, they're able to they've raised their canopy limits. They've allowed more people in to be able to be part of this licensed business. And I think that 800,000 square feet is a really good start. Hillary and Don, do you want to come in on that? Hillary. I, I would say the canopy cap is actually my major area of concern in this bill. The only other state to set a canopy limit like this on the total area that could be grown for legalized production is Washington State. And that has cascaded into a number of major changes to laws and rules because you're putting government in charge of figuring out how much cannabis is being produced from all the plants that are licensed to grow down to the gram, how much is being produced by that. So seed to sale tracking, all of that. And then in Washington State, they had the University of Washington do a study to figure out if the canopy limited area could supply all the legal market, they determined the recreational area could supply both medical and recreational. As a result this year, all medical growers who were licensed now have had to stop growing and apply for one of these limited recreational use licenses. Also as a result, um, patients in Washington to get legal protections have to register the amount of plants they can grow has been cut down and if you have more than one patient growing in the same property they need to use the same seed to sale tracking software and reporting that an industrial grower would um, and just references about this allowing law enforcement to not enforce enforcement <coughs> excuse me is still happening and in some cases at increased rates especially against people under 21 there's still no protections for people who have possessed more or grow more than in the legal limit. So law enforcement activity is still very active in going after people who grow and use this plant. Isn't one of the concerns about the canopy limit also the percentage of the canopy limit that's going to be allocated to uh, or set aside for people who are already growing in state versus what will be open for people coming in from Caregivers. out of state? I, I, let, me, let, me, let me clarify that, you know, when we're talking about in-state versus out-of-state, is that there's a preference, a there's a preference system that allows main residents who are involved with the medical marijuana program to have preferences on these licenses. You cannot have a residency requirement within a law because that violates the equal protection clause of the Maine Constitution and the United States Constitution. This law will allow Maine residents to have the first shot at these licenses. And they're going to be able to be the ones with their municipal approval and with state approval to start these small businesses. Okay, let's go, let's take another call. We've got Ca Carl from Lowell. Thank you for your patience, Carl. Welcome to Maine Currents. you have a question or a comment? Um, yes, I do. This is to anyone who can answer it. Um, regulations aren't free. Um, I got a round number from a survey in Washington State that it cost the state $69 million to implement the regulation and the seed to sale tracking. Um, I'm not sure how accurate that is, but what's it actually going to cost the taxpayer to implement all these regulations as opposed to making it just legal? and letting people grow what they need and use what they need. I, and so we, we, have put, we have put into the law the cost of regulation will come from the licensing fees. And the licensing fees within the question one are the lowest ones across the country. We, we put low licensing fees in there specifically so there's a low barrier for local Maine residents and the farmers to be able to have, um, to be able to get access to these licenses. The regulatory fees will be easily be able to cover any sort of regulation that is done by the state. That is determined by the state's own auditors and the state's own financial office, and I would trust their numbers. Hillary. Okay, Hillary so uh, yes, the number that Carl mentioned about Washington, that was what the state analysis um, estimated it would cost for the state of Washington to implement the new regulatory structure with seed-to-sale tracking and enforcement around drug driving. 
Colorado, they're at 40 million a year. They do not have a canopy cap, so they don't have the same amount of seed to sale tracking requirements. Um, Oregon's law passed with a similarly low fee, and unfortunately, the result of that was lawmakers looked at the fact that it was going to cost a significant amount to implement this new regulatory scheme and have changed their laws around what medical growers must grow. Previously, it was $200 a year per patient for someone to grow for a medical patient. Um, as of this summer, the rate fees have gone up to $4,000 a year to grow for, per pa for a patient and $4,000 a year to process, and you need a processor's license or else you're out of compliance. And there have been a number of medical growers who have had to shut down. Also, they must use compliant packaging, compliant labeling, compliant seed-to-sale tracking. So the cost of doing business has really forced out the small producers and made it so it's designed for industrial scale. Don, do you want to weigh in on this? Yeah. Don also, uh, the, the fact that there's only going to be so many people that are going to be involved in this program because there's, there's a, a cap on the amount of square footage. But if, if you're lucky enough to get one of these licenses, um, that's good for you. But the thing is, is there's thousands and thousands of people in the state of Maine that grow marijuana. And it's just a simple fact. And at this point, they're providing for their people now. And to take that away from them, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. You know, when you tell somebody they can have it here and, and this person over here can't have it, it's not going to work. And there's thousands of people, as opposed to hundreds, that are going to get the license. And there's, you know, thousands that are going to be growing all through the state. Um, the cops are still going to have their work cut out for them. This is not going to end prohibition. And, and the police, if, if you're going to have a, an end to this madness, then let's just stop the silliness and, and make it legal. And then you know, the cops can just write it off their books. They don't have to worry about marijuana. And I don't think they want to have to worry about marijuana because they know, they know it's not... The, the the reefer madness scenario witch hunt that that they were taught in the past. Most of the cops know this now, and they don't even want to bother people anymore. But it is the law, and so at times they have to do something about it. Except for the drug police, of course, and they're never going to stop because it's their bread and butter, and and, and that's the way it works. So when you tell people they can't do something, um, it, it might double them down that they're going to do it even more here, and and and. You know, with it, with the law the way it is now, saying it's illegal, it hasn't hindered people. People do it. So let's just stop this madness and and let people do business, just like any free market enterprise thing um, that's going now. All right. Thanks. We have another call. You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. And if you'd like to be next up, the number is 469-0500 locally or one 625-9378. We have Yo in Southwest Harbor. Is this how we somehow have another Yo, or do we have Yo on the road? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, no. yes, you're there. Welcome to Maine Carnes, Yo. It's the same Yo. He's just in a different it's place than Joe. he usually is. I'm in Southwest Harbor today. <laughs> As John Ehrlichman revealed, the drug war was intended to divide society. Yes. This legalization is intended to divide pot smokers against each other. Yes. Yeah. I consider it pernicious to expect pot smokers to be a font of new revenue for government. Should adults be taxed for smoking marijuana? Thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. And thanks for your call, Yo. I think we have both phone lines open now. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and let uh, the guests respond to those, but let me just uh, remind listeners again the phone numbers because I said them quickly are 469 0500 
or 1-866-625-9378. And my guests in the studio are Hillary Lister, Don Kristen, and Paul McCarrier. If you have a question for any of them about question one on Maine's ballot this November, which would legalize marijuana and regulate it, or if you want to weigh in on you've already decided where, which way you're going to vote and you'd like to call and tell us about it, we'd love to hear from you. Paul McCarrier wants to uh, respond to Yo's call. So, you know, thank you for calling in, Yo. I think, um, I think that's a great point. It's really sad um, when we see the division that's um, within this cannabis community um, over uh, legalizing, taxing, and regulating marijuana through question one. If, if people do not want to pay a tax on their legal marijuana, they can just grow their own. There is no tax on being able to grow your own. There is no government database, and there's no doctor database. So if people really want to have their privacy and not pay a tax um, for marijuana, they'll be able to grow their own. So what we're talking about with these licenses is for people who want to grow in a commercial scale and sell. Correct. The, the commercial the commercial scale, um, they, those will be licensed and they will have licensing fees. Um, the consumer will pay just a flat 10% sales tax on any um, cannabis they buy. So if they buy $20 worth of cannabis, they'll be paying $22. What if you wanted to just like give some to your friend or you just had some people over at a party and you were just sharing it? That's completely allowed and legal under question one. It'd be similar to being able to brew your own beer. Okay. Don, you look like you wanted to jump in there. Well... The the problem here is is we we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, once the legislature gets a hold of this thing, um, who knows what the tax might be? But um, my for instance here is they're they're now taxing medical marijuana, which they don't tax any other medicine. What's going on? That's a problem, and nobody seems to be too concerned with it. Well, we are here at Maine Vocals. It shouldn't be taxing medicine unless they're going to tax everything. Um, this is not special, and that's what they're treating it as, and we got to get it out of the people's heads that this is not special, this is just cannabis. Hillary. Um, well, first of all, I'd say that cannabis, as was pointed out, is already taxed and regulated in the state of Maine, and they've estimated over $60 million being brought into the state through fees and taxes for medical. So it is already happening, and the law can be improved in a way that we can decriminalize it without so heavily regulating in a way that's going to make people criminals again. Right now, you have thousands of small businesses across the state that are able to comply with the law, that are able to afford to comply with the regulations, that are paying taxes and keeping ancillary businesses open. Um, there was also the comment about patient registration. Right now in Maine, we are one of the few states that does not require patient registration. I don't see how this law can go into effect with the provision that they're going to be having to look at how much is being grown and controlled to make sure no more is being diverted without having some sort of patient registry to be able to see exactly how much is being grown and control that, as has happened in every state that's gone this path. I, I, wanna, I think I want to point out, too, that um, it, was a, it was the citizens of Maine in 2009 that voted in the 5.5% sales tax on medical marijuana. That was a part of the 2009 initiative. And I do not see any sort of legislative will from um, the years I've spent in Augusta to institute any sort of database on patients. The uh, question one is very clear that it does not affect the medical marijuana program, and question one cannot be used to affect the medical marijuana program. Hillary wants to respond to that, and then we're going to take a call. So I'd say the language in question one that says it will not affect the medical marijuana program is nearly identical to the language in both Oregon's initiative and Colorado's initiative that were funded by the same backers that said it would not affect the medical marijuana program. The laws and rules and people who have been most affected in those states have been people who grow and use medical marijuana. Mike from Lewiston, welcome to Maine Currents. Hi, my question is, um, Mr. McCarrier, a year ago, you were talking against NPP. In fact, it wasn't, it was about a year ago, next week, you decided to get 
joining forces with David Boyer, and also giving your background with your lawyers. Um, it did have died, um, the people who were um, doing the medical program um, initiative and getting that um, uh, underway um, were entirely people that um, had experience doing legislation. The people involved with legislative gain, crema, and legalizing have very little, if any, experience in actually passing bills other than the corporate lobbyist crema seemed to hire about a month ago. Would you like to respond to that, Mr. Carrier? Thanks for, thanks for your call, Mike. Hi, Mike. Thanks for that. Um, so, you know, we we started Legalize Maine because there was no local alternative to the language that was being presented by um, the Marijuana Policy Project. And that's something that I think kind of gets lost in the, in the woods right here is that if Legalize Maine did not present the language that currently is question one, that MPP's language would be on the ballot. That is, that is, there's no doubt in my mind, and there's no doubt in every professional politician's mind that this per, that this language would be on the ballot. And for people who don't know the history of all of this, uh, the background stuff, what would be the problem with that? So their their lang- um, the language that was um, that MPP had initially proposed before they adopted the local language was a much higher registration fees. It was regulating marijuana like alcohol. Um, it was not really meant for Maine. It was not really um, drafted with the best interests of Maine in mind. Um, Legalized Maine was formed specifically to combat that, and we, you know, we went toe to toe with MPP. We were both collecting signatures, and we did a great job um, at beating them at that. And we were very thankful when they decided to adopt our language. We decided to join forces with them to form Team Yes on One, because that is what the people of Maine wanted. They did not want people fighting over the legalization of marijuana. They wanted people working together, and that's what I think the people of Maine want to see: more people working together. All right, Steve from Waterville, welcome to Maine Currents. Hi Thanks there. for your patience. Thank you so much for taking my question. Uh, so I, I was curious. If I grow six plants, um, I have a follow-up question after this. How much marijuana can I possess in total? So you're allowed, um, under, under question one, you're allowed to grow six flowering plants, 12 vegetative plants, and no limits on the number of seedlings. Um, you'll be allowed to possess two and a half ounces of prepared marijuana outside of your home, and anything that you grow, you can keep within your home. Okay. Um, any overages? Am I permitted to sell those to friends and family, or am I required to go through the licensing process? You're not, you're not allowed to sell them to anyone, because that's a commercial activity. You are allowed to give it away. Okay. Um, what about caregivers? Are they allowed to sell any of their overages within the recreational market? No. Um, the, the question one does not affect the medical marijuana program at all, and so when question one passes, there will be a parallel adult use and medical program. Um, if the legislature um, decides that they want to allow um, excess medical marijuana being introduced to the adult use market, that's something that the legislature will have to take up. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank you. for your call, Steve. Uh, and before we go on to the next call, Hillary, uh, Don, either one of you want to weigh in on this? Yeah. This is Don um, Kristen. So, so with that response, um, you can see that no one can sell any marijuana except for the people that have the license. And obviously, for the thousands of people in Maine who grow marijuana and, and do sell it right now and do provide a good product for their people, they're not going to be very happy about this. Let's put it that way. And no, the regular person... Um, could be quite happy with this because they can walk around with an ounce of pot and not get busted for it anymore. But um, and grow six plants and, and that sort of thing. 
And, and yes, indeed, that, that would be quite nice. No, and, and we're not, you know, totally against that. Um, but the fact is, is now you're talking about thousands and thousands of Maine growers who are going to be put out of business, so to speak. But they're not really going to be put out of business because they're just going to keep doing what they were doing. And the prohibition goes on. And that's exactly what we don't want. Hillary Lister. Um, I definitely agree that adults should be able to grow plants and possess without penalties. That's something that can go through as independent legislation separate from the other 30-some pages of regulation that would lead to more laws and rulemaking. Um, I do just want to point out, though, that there are new penalties, so you can't just walk around smoking like a lot of people are talking. You There would be a new public use penalty, which Washington and Colorado also passed as part of their laws. So you could still get a civil violation if you were seen or smelled smoking in public that would still go on your record, could still work against you in terms of housing, employment. And for the most part, people who get busted for possession, which isn't a possession of two and a half ounces or less in Maine, is a non-arrestable offense already. We can improve that as it is. However, people are not being arrested for that, and this would just allow people to get a civil violation for smoking as opposed to the straight possession, which, and they usually get caught for possession by smoking. All right. You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. The phone numbers, again, if you'd like to join this qu- this discussion on question one on Maine's ballot in November are locally 469-0500, again, 469-0500, or toll-free 1-866-625-9378. We're going to go ahead and take another call. We've got Dennis from Brownville. Uh, thank you for your patience, Dennis, and welcome to the program. Yes, thank you. Um, I had a question for Hillary. Hillary, um, I read in their bill, um, and I was seeing on the Augusta, down in Augusta, about uh, operating under the influence. Um, what, what do you think about all that? Um, so if this bill passes, there is going to be increased scrutiny around Maine's drug driving laws, especially since this bill contains a provision around marijuana social clubs, which law enforcement is basically looking at as bars. Um, This last year, we were fortunate to be able to get a bill that would have set a THC OUI blood limit into the law. That law was introduced by the Secretary of State specifically to prepare for this type of taxing, regulating marijuana more strictly than alcohol coming in. The bill fortunately got voted down, one, due to the fact that there's no scientific relationship between THC in a person's blood and impaired driving. However, that didn't stop them from passing it in Colorado and Washington. The major reason it was voted down was because at the time the committee was working on this, it looked like the signatures for this initiative were being invalidated, and they saw that there was not the immediate pressure to pass it. However, they've been very clear. The district attorneys, law enforcement, secretary of state have said this will be coming back if this recreational use proposal goes through, Um, and blood-based OUI testing is just privacy violations. It really targets anyone who uses this for medical use, and it's costing the courts tons of money in the states that are doing this. Right, because obviously it can stay in the blood system for a long time after the person's no longer intoxicated. So are there any actual methods, uh, field sobriety tests or something that could be used for to measure impairment that would be accurate? No. Don says no. 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 They're, they're, they're curr- I mean, there currently are drug rec- recognition experts, D- DREs, um, which are recognized by the state and courts as being able to determine if someone is impaired. Well, when we talk about marijuana and driving, it's already illegal to be impaired in operating a vehicle. It doesn't matter what you're impaired on, whether it's blood pressure medication, whether it's cannabis, whether it's cough syrup, um, or whether it's um, tobacco. You, um, when you're impaired driving, you are, impa- you, are, you are impaired, and it is impairing your ability to operate the vehicle. Um, we need to make sure that we are... Um, in touch with our lawmakers, and we need to make sure that we show them the science about how a THC-based 
blood level test um, is not sound science. Luckily, um, out in California and Washington and Oregon right now, um, there are companies that are developing um, the equivalent of a breathalyzer to determine if someone had used marijuana within a certain amount of time. And I think it's important to note also that the tax revenue can be used to train more drug recognition experts so we do not have dangerously impaired drivers on the road. Well, I, I got one more quick question um, while, while we've got you on the line there, Paul. Um, I'm, you know me from Facebook. We've talked a couple times briefly, and I've been asking for 10 months now for a open debate at Harmony's Field between me, you, and uh, Donnie Christian, Hillary Lister, there are two that are sitting there with you, and uh, Paul Belden against you, David Boyer, Alicia Melnick, and Rob Campia, the head of your MPP party. Um, what is your response to that? Well, I'm glad that um, you know Amy uh, has invited me on to be on this radio show because I think this is a great opportunity to get information out to people um, who That's have concerns about question one. That sounds like a no, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for your call. We've got another. Thanks, call. Dennis. Have a good day. Yeah, thank you for calling. Uh, we've got another caller waiting. Again, this is being Currents, and the phone number is four six nine zero five hundred or one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. And one phone line has just opened. So if you've been getting a busy signal, call back now. Scott from Rockland, thank you for your patience, and welcome to Main Currents. Yeah. Hi. My question is if. What are the chances that Maine could uh, decriminalize cannabis as an agricultural product to, to reclassify it legally as an agricultural product rather than as a thin commodity like alcohol? Because it seems like most of the language in recategorizing, reclassifying, decriminalizing cannabis seems to be to reclassify it then as a thin commodity like alcohol. What are the chances that Maine could reclassify cannabis as an agricultural product or like a herbal medicine as the plant that it is rather than sort of the value judgment that it is a thin commodity. Hillary Lister. Um, I think that's definitely doable, and we've been moving in that direction for the past few decades. Right now we are closer to treating it as an herbal medicine than any state um, laws still need to be changed. However, this puts us on a totally different path that really does treat cannabis as a sin item, even though it would be regulated in this language through Department of Agriculture. There's nothing to prevent other departments, as has happened in Colorado, with implementing to also be involved, like the Liquor Authority, like the Revenue Service, like Public Safety. Um, I think the fewer government agencies that are involved in regulating this herbal medicine, this plant, the better. Um, and I just feel like this type of law brings in a lot more enforcement and treating it far less like a plant. Don Kristen. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it is an agricultural product. So um, there's no doubt that's where it should be. Um, and the fact is, is as, as I started out with, um, the, the hemp part of this plant is, is uh, what they should be concerned with the, with the agricultural department for sure. And I'm not sure where the status of that is, but uh, Maine legalized uh, agricultural hemp a couple of years ago, um, yet they said uh, with the federal government's permission. Um, and I don't know if they've taken that clause out of it yet. Hillary says it has. So, so at this point, um, I'm not sure where you got to go, but I guess to start at the Department of Agriculture and ask for a permit to be able to grow hemp now. And uh, we'll see where that goes. And I'll be calling one you know, when I get out of here tomorrow. <laughs> and those should be available in May. <laughs> but but the thing is, is that that's the basis of this whole thing, is that hemp 
is the real reason why marijuana is illegal. And, and yes, indeed, it needs to be brought back to the, to the agricultural society, and we need to start growing lots and lots of hemp. We've got a caller waiting, but can you just quickly explain, you've said that a couple of times, historically, what is the issue with hemp that made it uh, illegal? Well, the hemp plant, um, not, not a lot of people know the, the basic history of it, but when the diesel motor was invented, it was invented to run on uh, seed oil. The petroleum industry was not yet. Um, and they was going to run it on, on uh, hemp seed, which uh, is, is by volume two-thirds oil, the seed itself. And uh, you can burn the, this hemp seed oil in a diesel motor without any refinery or nothing like that. It's a cold-press process, and the oil is burned in the motor. So, um, so competition. Prior, yeah, so prior, prior to the, the prohibition of marijuana, Hemp was used for many, many things, and this was just one of them, the fuels end of it, the fibers end of it, the food end of it. All kinds of things that are made today were made with hemp, yet the uh, people that wanted their petroleum industry to go, they wanted their, their wood industry to go to make paper, just to make all kinds of paper out of hemp. But uh, now they've got you know poisonous systems involved that are making our paper, uh, when in fact... Uh, Hemp paper was highly non-polluting. So um, they poisoned our system, and we've got global warming since the prohibition of hemp. Just check the facts, people. And, and that's what we need to bring back is, is an agricultural-based society. Maybe we should do another show on hemp. We do have two callers waiting, and we only have about five, less than 10 minutes left to the program. So I want to take both calls, uh, and then we'll go around and get responses and final words from the people here in the studio. Jim on the road, thank you for your patience. Welcome to Maine Currents. Hello. Hi, Jim. Hi. Um, you only have 10 minutes left, and there's obviously a lot of questions. I wanted to know why Connie Christian and Hillary Lister have been involved in legalization for well over 20 years, and it's, just, it's, it's shocking to me that they would be against this measure. So I would like to ask them to please summarize in full, without listening to this whole debate, of why are they so, uh, so against it. Have um, you been listening since the beginning of the program, Jim? If you uh, haven't, on the archives, I think if you go back and listen when it's archived on Friday, that's what they did at the start of the program. They each spent about 10 minutes talking about that. Oh, okay. Well, I missed that. Well, well Jim, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not like we're against the word in, of, of legalization uh, for marijuana because we all want that. And, and that's, you know, that's a big thing in the state of Maine. Most of the people do want that. And we're going to take this last call, and then we'll give everybody a chance to have a final word. Brian from Augusta, welcome to Maine Currents. Thank you. Good afternoon, Hillary, Paul, and Donnie. I have a question that we've been discussing this afternoon, and that is basically with the ability of a million Mainers to walk around with a bag of marijuana in their pockets now, how will this impact our gun rights? We have some of the most free rights to own a gun in the United States right now. Not good. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for that question. And we're going to take the last couple minutes here doing a go round of the table. People can address that and give any uh, contact information, any final thoughts. You each have about a minute and a half to do that. Paul put his hand up first and Hillary started the first time around. So we'll go that way around the table this time. Well, I think when we look at Colorado, Colorado has a strong Second Amendment culture and we have not seen increased federal intervention right there. Um, I think it's really important to vote yes on one is because we need to have new revenue coming into our state, better, smaller businesses, stronger public safety, and improved public health. It's time 
to regulate and tax marijuana in Maine, yes on one. And if you have any questions, you can look at us on our website at www.legalizemaine.net. All right, that was Paul McCarrier. Don Kristen? Um, we're opposed to this because it's going to exclude many, many Mainers from being involved in the large-scale grows that uh, they could provide to their customers and continue um, with the business that they've had going for years in the state of Maine um, to just incorporate uh, a couple hundred, if, if that many, uh, people who will be able to get these licenses. It's not right, and, and it will never work. The, the prohibition will never go away at that rate, and that's not what we want. We want to end this reefer madness, and this is just not going to do it. We could have started with, with a good bill, and if it had failed, um, we could go on from there with something like this. But other than that, um, we, we need to uh, move on. And, and uh, <clears throat> I will now announce my, my festivals. I'm, I'm getting the word here that I'm out of here. Um, Harvest Festival is... I uh, sure you didn't forget. I knew you wanted to talk about that. Harvest is Fest is coming up the 6th through the 9th of October, and uh, we will be in harmony at Freedom Field for that one. Uh, come out and see us and have a good time, people. And where can people get more information online? Uh, MainVocals.net is our, our website and uh, where they can buy tickets. All right. Thank you. Hillary. Hi. Um, so to Mr. respond to uh, questions, first around gun rights, I am concerned that if both question three and question one pass, those could really be problematic because question three would have universal background checks for all transfers of firearms, which have questions about marijuana use on them. And if you admit to using, you're then now on record as illegally having a firearm. So I do have concerns if those goes through. Maine's laws are actually more protective than Colorado's laws currently, and we would be getting scrutiny around that, I'm sure. Um, asked question is why am I against this legalization bill is because I don't believe this is legalization in any sense that Jack Herer ever wrote about in his decades of work for making this plant something that people can grow for their own medicine without government involvement and uh, getting all the people who are in prison who have these felony charges free of being criminalized for growing and using this plant. It's a long path to get there. However, I feel like question one would really take us off the path to real legalization. Um, we do have a couple events coming up uh, tomorrow at Four Seasons Garden Supply in Ellsworth at 6 o'clock Thursday. We're going to have an informational meeting about this. Um, also, South Portland at Howard Johnson's on Friday and then Monday in Rumford. You can find out all the details and more on mainvotesno.net. That's M-A-I-N-E-V-O-T-E-S-N-O dot N-E-T. All right. And wrapped up just in the nick of time. Thank you all for being with us today. We really appreciate your time. Uh, again, that was uh, Hillary Lister who spoke last on Kristen and Paul McCarrier. We'd also like to thank uh, John Greenman for engineering today's program and encourage you to stay tuned after the program. We've got Democracy Now! coming up next, followed by Jazz Straight Ahead with Larry Stahlberg. Next week on Main Currents, we'll have some visitors from El Salvador, along with some people who are involved in sistering relationships. There's a sister station relationship that WERU has with a station in El Salvador. Bangor has a sister city relationship with Carrasque in El Salvador. Uh, Pika, the... Uh, organization in Bangor has a sistering relationship, as does MOFCA. We'll be talking about all of that, so be sure to join us next week and every Wednesday at 4 for Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture here on Community Radio, WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. I'm Amy Brown. Thanks for listening. 
Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported non 